eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. The following is a presentation of Radio.com Sports. Radio.com Sports presents Big Time Baseball. Fly ball back in the deep right center field. Lorenzo King. Got you covered with the best in the business. Deep down the left field line, it's gone. Manny Machado breaks it open with a three-run shot. With veteran play-by-play voice Josh Lewin. A slam ball game. And MLB insider John Heyman. His numbers would look so much better if there weren't guys compiling 600 home runs. Each week will feature a comprehensive look at Major League Baseball, the biggest stories, and a breakdown of the divisions leading up to the 2019 championship race. Sports Big Time Baseball brought to you by the 2019 Mercedes Benz A Class. Radio.com Sports presents Big Time Baseball. It's brought to you by the 2019 Mercedes Benz A Class and alongside John Heyman. I am merely Josh Lewin. We will take you through for the next, I don't know, 45, 55 minutes, however long we can uh, prattle on this week. About a busy week at the Major League Draft, obviously. We're going to talk about that. Resurgent Colorado team, so we've grabbed Bud Black, manager of those Rockies, and we'll talk about why all of a sudden they're relevant again. But uh, each week we're bringing you insight into the top stories across Major League Baseball, including a rundown of everything going on in each division. And uh, you'll hear a lot of fun stuff all year long. If you're subscribing, we hope you are. Big Time Baseball, a part of Radio.com, which allows you to listen to your favorite radio stations free of charge. Listen to over 300 stations, over 1,100 podcasts. We're growing them day by day. And you can explore by location or genre to find music, news, and sports, and all kinds of stuff. You can follow us on Radio.com Sports on Twitter as well, at RDC Sports. So I always like to start with the AL East, because when you open up your newspaper, if you still do such a thing because i think newspapers are still in business usually leads it off so that's where we go too and the yankees are about to get some of their varsity back 
And I guess that's great news, but they're, you know they're already doing so well this year. Gio Urshela, who's hitting around 340. You got a DJ LeMahieu, who's hitting around 320, and is the best clutch hitter statistically in the majors. In this game of musical chairs, I mean, it, somebody's got to sit down, and I don't <laughs> think it's going to be Glaber Torres very much. So it, this this supposed B team of Yankees, which is pulling away right now in the AL East, somehow going to be worse off because the mojo is now compromised when all their studs get back. Well, I don't know if they're going to be worse off. I I don't want to say that. LeMahieu has been a fantastic pickup. He's done a a great job, but now he's in a position with Didi uh, about to come back. Uh, And you're right, Gleyber Torres is going to keep playing, and he'll be playing second with Didi at short, where LeMahieu is going to be a utility man moving around between first and third and what have you. And, uh, you know, I think they picked the right guy. He's an incredible team-oriented guy, uh, certainly a guy Bud Black is familiar with and knows well, and uh, is a guy I think was really underrated and has really helped them out. And, uh, you know, I'm not going to say that getting Didi back and then eventually Judge and Stanton and then Severino uh, is going to set them back. Uh, I I think it can only move them forward, uh, that they have terrific talent. They made good moves to get uh, guys on bargains, uh, which isn't something the other teams want to see the Yankees do. Urshela has been fantastic. Voight has been incredible. So uh, they've done a great job, and I think a strong team is just going to get stronger. I don't mean to be a snot when I bring up Clint Frazier, but I'm about to. I mean, I'm doing games for the Red Sox now, so it's going to sound like I'm trying to pile drive the Yankees here. But yeah, I invoke the old Dave Niehaus line about him being a, a catch-22 outfielder. That is, if you hit him 100 fly balls, he'll, <laughs> he'll catch 22. And, uh, yeah. you know, the, it was uncomfortable to watch on Sunday. You know, the whole Willie yeah. Mays' triples get born with, with, with Clint yeah. Frazier running around. they they got to get him out of there, right? I think we may be close to that uh, uh, time where you've got to figure out what to do with him, whether to send him back. And, uh, I mean, the guy was hitting, uh, but you, you you can't have a guy fielding like that out there. I mean, they may give him another shot and uh, cross their fingers and hope that it doesn't happen again. But uh, that's the worst game I've ever seen for a major league outfielder. I, I can recall when they tried Todd Hundley out in the outfield and uh, that didn't work out. Or Thurman Munson went out there for a little while. But... I, I don't think I've seen a game like this by a major league outfielder. And uh, it's really been a switch because he's he hit great. And I think there was even a national story about what a wonderful year he was having that appeared about two or three days before this. But this right. one game was so bad that you've got to you've got to be worried about what's going on with Clint Frazier. So speaking of, of the Red Sox a little bit, and, and I'm just thinking that Rafael Devers was being called a butcher early in the season, too. He had nine errors as of May 2nd. Hasn't made one since then, and he was just named American League Player of the Month for May. Great young player, obviously, and I know the the holy trinity of Major League Third Baseman right now doesn't include him, uh, not quite yet anyway, but, uh, you know, you got Chapman and Bregman and Arenado. But Devers is is a strong young player, and now Michael Chavis in the mix for them as well. Yeah, third base is uh, the strongest position in Major League Baseball right now. I mean, there's six or seven real superstars, and you certainly mentioned three of them, certainly Machado and others. Uh, it is a very, very strong position, and uh, Devers is making a bid to join. I absolutely agree with you. Mid-April, I think he had zero home runs, was hitting around 250, and he has really turned it on. Good job by them not considering him in trades. I know they were asked about him a lot, uh, but uh, 
Boston uh, knows how to develop their position players, and looks like they've done a terrific job with him as well. Let me bounce you to the AL Central, John. This is John Heyman that you're hearing, and, and I'm Josh Lewin. It's Big Time Baseball presented by Radio.com Sports. So you're twins, and you were on them before anybody else this year. Yeah, very nice. Yeah, they're, they're, they're not the Minnesota Twins anymore. They're the John Heyman Twins. And, and you know, 55 seasons of baseball, John, they'd never had an eight-homer game. They did it twice before Memorial Day this year. They're on pace for 313 home runs. And more than that, though, I'm just so impressed by the pitching. Barrios was a given. But you got Martin Perez entered the year with, with a career ERA of about 4.7. He's got this cutter now. He's been unreal. I just don't see any holes with this team. Looks like uh, at, at the pace they're on now, they'd set a home run record, which is kind of shocking because they really don't have one true slugger who's hit 40 home runs a bunch of years other than Nelson Cruz, who really isn't in the middle of that uh, right now. I mean, you're getting home runs from everywhere, including Polanco, who's been fantastic, Rosario, and the list goes on and on. And I, I happened to see them fortuitously late in spring and looked at their stats and saw that they were really, uh, really hitting in spring training and looked at that lineup again. They did a nice job picking up Marwin Gonzalez and Cruz, as I mentioned. And as you referenced, Martin Perez, uh, they really had a terrific, terrific winter. Thad Levine, who we've had on here, GM, uh, knew Perez and uh probably figured out that he was going to be better than he had shown in the past. And, uh, you know, they've just done a great job. And we called it last week that they're going to win this division. I don't think there's any question about that at this point. The White Sox have had a nice season for what the expectations were. The Indians, too many injuries, uh, aren't close at this point. I think the Twins are just a very, very good team. And uh, uh, they can be preparing for the playoffs right now. Although I, I think they're going to be looking at making some more acquisitions. AL West with you real quick, John. The, the A's went 15-10 and 10 in May, even though they didn't have Chris Davis healthy. Chapman has started heating up. The Astros are the class of that division, though they're banged up right now. They just keep winning games. To lose Springer and Altuve and all the guys that they have lost, uh, that has Correa, uh, really, really hurt them. Uh, and Correa. So, uh, you know... Uh, it's amazing how they have hung in there. They have a terrific team. Uh, Houston does. Uh, obviously, world champion two years ago. Uh, I have them winning that league this year. That's not a surprise. I think most people did. Oakland, they do a great job. We knew that from Moneyball. They often outperform their payroll. Uh, and uh, they have adjusted since other teams adjusted to them. And I think Dave Forrest and Billy Bean are terrific. And they have a great manager in Bob Melvin. And they've got some great position players, and they piece it together. Uh, I'm not surprised that they have uh, made a nice comeback here, but I think they're probably in over their heads with uh, with Houston. Uh, once they get all their players back, uh, they're really one of the two or three top powerhouses in Major League Baseball. I've been so impressed by Texas. They're the second wild card right now, but Joey Gallo goes to the IL with an oblique thing. That's not great timing because they're about to go play four against the Red Sox. And Jay Bruce is kind of the first man out on the jailbreak. He gets traded to Philadelphia. Absolutely. Uh, Seattle's just beginning their sale. I think a lot of teams are starting sales earlier. Uh, we've got probably three divisions that uh, I don't want to say fait complete. We've already called Minnesota, but uh, we certainly... I uh, think the Dodgers and Astros are likely to win their divisions as well. So we're going to see some early sales. Uh, Seattle began 13-2, and two, uh, then won 12 out of their next 48. You know, you can't win one out of every four games. That's, that's pretty bad. So uh, 
Uh, it's kind of a mess. They've got a lot of guys to trade. I'm not sure they're going to get that much for any of the guys that are remaining. Uh, Encarnacion is uh, having a typical season, maybe not the batting average. People don't look at that so much. The OPS Plus is right in line, so uh, they may get be able to get somebody back for him, although he's high-priced. But, uh, of course, we'll be active. Uh, Jerry Depoto is always active, but uh, I'm not sure they're really going to get a haul for what they have left. So we mentioned Bruce to Philadelphia, and he, he had a great comment. He said his son is super excited about the trade because he wants to meet the fanatic. And and <laughs> I don't necessarily blame blame the, the kid on, on that one. But So the, the Phillies, and this happened late in the game on the West Coast. Not everybody saw it, but this was pretty bad. Andrew McCutcheon... Uh, wrenches his knee basically because Gene Segura doesn't run out of pop-up. Ian Kinsler, very smart player, let the ball plop down in front of him, uh, ends up getting a double play. But the, the big thing is McCutcheon gets hurt on that play. So you've got the Phillies and the Braves kind of wrangling here for the, the top of the NL East. And, and Atlanta, I, I got to point out, John, they got a favorable stretch of the schedule here. They got six on the road against the Pirates and the Marlins. Then they come home for 10. They get the Pirates and the Mets and the Phillies, which will be, I think, kind of the show-me series. But the Braves have played only three against the Phillies all year. They lost all three to start the season. There's a lot of head-to-head still to go. I'm worried about the Phillies. The reason I worry is because I did pick them. Uh, They have not looked good on the West Coast. Uh, The McCutcheon injury is worrisome. We'll see how it turns out. Uh, Hopefully not too long for him. Uh, he's played a lot of center for them, and obviously they have the issue with Odebel Herrera right now, so they may have an issue in center. Uh, Jay Bruce is a nice, can play corner outfield, certainly not a center fielder at this stage in his career. And, uh, you know, I mean, Harper, he played some center last year, uh, was really not a great center fielder. He's a good corner outfielder, so uh, they may have an issue here if they don't have McCutcheon, and uh, they have not looked good on the West Coast at all. That division, which we all thought was going to be pretty good, I think you did too, uh, is not looking great right now. I mean, uh, obviously Atlanta's been okay, but not really taken off like they did in the middle of last year. Washington's been a disappointment, and the Mets have been a disappointment as well. I mean, you, you, you expected that division to be better, didn't you? Oh, absolutely. I mean, the Mets do have this Pete Alonzo thunder. He's probably going to set the franchise record for home runs. I mean, that's kind of come from out of nowhere, but Yeah, it's a two-team race, not a four-team race like we thought. He's John Heyman. I'm Josh Lewin. This is Big Time Baseball, presented by Radio.com Sports. And uh, NL Central, I guess, is up next on the docket. And and for the first time this season, John, Paul DeYoung has been in a kind of a cold spell for St. Louis. Uh, As we record this podcast, two for his last 36 without an extra base hit. Where do you see St. Louis, and don't say Missouri, because that's not what I meant. I mean, can, can the Cardinals pick this back up again? You know, they've been confounding. They haven't made the playoffs for three straight years, a team that expects to be in the playoffs every year. I'm a little concerned about them. They've been kind of up and down. Uh, Fowler has looked better. Uh, you know, they've gotten a better play out of Wong this year, but uh, they have enough concerns, certainly in the rotation, uh, that you worry about, uh, you know, obviously, uh, Wainwright had a nice start recently in which he threw, I think, almost 126 pitches. That, that's a nice sign. Uh, Flaherty's a good young pitcher, and if they can get Martinez and, and Reyes going as starters, that's something. But uh, right now I'm concerned about their rotation, and I'm concerned about them in that division. That's a very, very strong division. Uh, a lot of depth. Obviously, the Cubs are good. The Brewers are really good. And you know what? The Pirates and the Reds aren't too bad either. So uh, I think they're in a tough division with some some interesting questions right now. 
The Brewers, just speaking of uh, rotations, Shasin goes on the injured list and, you know, did so with an ERA of five and three quarters. They get Jimmy Nelson back. He, he comes up, and remember, he was their ace uh, in 2017. He got hurt belly flopping in a first base at Wrigley in, in September of 2017. Uh, that would be a bonus if he comes back and can pick up form, right? Without Chassin and, and Gio on the shelf, which we'd never seen before, but he's out with a dead arm at least for a little while, uh, Jimmy Nelson would be a huge, huge pickup for them if he's able to perform like he did a couple of years ago, as, as you referenced. I, I'm always shocked by the Brewers' rotation. They always seem to outperform. I thought their lineup was good enough where I picked them to win that division this year. Uh, and I kind of learned that lesson a little bit because they, again, outperformed uh, dramatically uh, the past two seasons in terms of their uh, rotation. But uh, Chassin is a big loss for them, I do think, because uh, he was their best starter last year. And uh, finally, wrapping it up in the NL West, we, we talked glowingly about Bellinger and the Dodgers last week, so I don't want to do too much of that again. But... Uh, you know, Bellinger's having a, a mid-50s Willie Mays season, basically. He could, could lead the National League in home runs and outfield assists. And I don't know if there's a more charismatic player in baseball. I mean, you know, you can talk your Mike Trout, your Mookie Betts. But in the meantime, you've got Hunjin Ryu, who had that month of May where it was, what, 5-0, and 0.52. I mean, Bellinger, a terrific young man, as you mentioned, uh, the son of... Uh, uh, of, of Clay Bellinger, who I covered with the Yankees, was a utility player. And his son, uh, right. right now, he's playing the best in, in baseball. We, we don't want to have Trout give up that mantle, and no pun intended, as the uh, mm. best player in the game. But I, I will say right now, Bellinger is the best player, certainly in the National League, even though Yelich has been incredible again. But uh, you're right, uh, mid-50s, Mays, uh, I would have said mantle. Uh, maybe that's more of my Yankee perspective. But... Uh, really an all-time season he's having right now. And I, I say Logan White, you know, uh, was the scouting director who signed uh, Ryu and uh, picked Bellinger in the fourth round and now with the Padres. So it's probably got to be frustrating for him uh, to see that all of his uh, picks and his signings uh, turn out to uh, really burn him because uh, no one's really competing with the, the Dodgers. The Padres are improved, the Rockies are good, but uh, Dodgers running away with it with thanks to Ryu, who looks like the Cy Young winner to this point, and Bellinger, who's clearly, in my mind, the MVP to this point. Yeah, and the Giants, to go back to Mays, I guess, a big nothing burger is what I think we all expected. Although, you, you look at, at, at Kung Fu Panda, Sandoval, who, who gave the Red Sox a minus-two war, at the cost of $47 million until he was released in 2017. He's got a, a positive war for the Giants, with the Red Sox paying off $46 million of that. Right. It was $47 million, and then they have to keep paying. So it was $95 million for that negative war for uh, Panda. That was not a good signing. Uh, the guy apparently just likes to be in the Bay Area. I don't know what it is, but uh, he has performed uh, so well and has an OPS uh, of around 1,000. I've seen stories where he could be a... a uh, a trade piece and uh, you know I might be a little leery of that because he was so bad in Boston uh, you wonder if he just needs to be in, in San Francisco to perform but uh, trade him and actually uh, make hay there but he has been great for the Giants as great for the Giants as he was terrible for the Red Sox well the, the one team in the West we haven't mentioned I did that on purpose we, we saved Colorado because Bud Black 
is going to be joining us, and I figured that that's probably the right thing to do is just wait and talk uh, to Bud, go right to the source, talk to the skipper. But the, the Rockies entered the week with an eight-game win streak that they've catapulted from fourth into second in the West. Got a big climb, obviously, to catch the Dodgers. They're still nine games out, but, boy, they're they're coming. So we'll uh, rack it up with Bud Black in just a moment. John Heyman, Josh Lewin, that's the two of us as part of Radio.com Sports' presentation of Big Time Baseball. He's a two-time World Series champion with his latest as the Giants pitching coach in 2002. Now in his third season as the Rockies manager. This ball hit a long way to center. Davis going back again. He's got no shot. It's Bud Black on Big Time Baseball. Big Time Baseball and Josh Lewin, John Heyman with you. Bud Black, busy man, going to join us here and talk Rockies because they're starting the week with an eight-game win streak. They're a really interesting team because they started brutally. They, they didn't have Daniel Murphy, and I think his return has been obviously one of the, the big pluses for them. They, they said goodbye to DJ LeMahieu. He's been killing it with the Yankees. They thought, well, we'll do even better because we got Murphy in that infield, and at least now he's playing, and he's playing well. Deep and balanced lineup. Obviously, you have Ar- start with Arenado, a superstar. Uh, that's a great start. And, but the, beyond that, they have Trevor Story, I think a really underrated star player. Charlie Blackman, the terrific hitter. David Dahl coming into his own. So they have a dynamic offensive team. Of course, Coors doesn't doesn't hurt at all, but uh, they really have a very good offensive team. And they have a very nice young pitching staff. Now, they've had their ups and downs that may be related to cores. Obviously, Kyle Freeland really struggled this year after an excellent year last year. But they have uh, Marquez and Senzatella and a lot of guys with talent. And they have a veteran bullpen. And uh, they were in the playoffs last year. So uh, we shouldn't be shocked that they're on a run now and making things a little bit interesting for themselves, at least. Even if we don't believe they can beat the Dodgers, uh, they can make the playoffs. Well, and you know, and just back to Arenado for a second, because the guy, a transcendent talent, we know that. I mean, nine home runs, 29 runs batted in just in May. And I'm always fascinated by the fact that he and Chapman of the A's from the same high school. I mean, that's just, that's you know, they have much third-base talent kicking around them. So you've got Arenado, obviously. Trevor Story continues to be a story. He was just player of the week. There's so much cool stuff with this team, just a lot of meat on the bone. Let's bring in Bud Black. We, we do have him, and uh, again, as they're starting a, a big series, so we really appreciate his time. But, Bud, we appreciate the fact that the Rockies are relevant again. You guys had the, uh, the tough beginning to the season. I'm sure you're appreciative of the fact that you're right back in the thick of this. Well, uh, you're right. It was a it was a long climb back when you start out like we did, where uh, we had a tough first two weeks. It, it's great to be back where we are, and anybody will tell you, uh, you know, it's hard to climb back. And we did it, uh, you know, through you know playing good baseball. Now the the trick is, and the challenge is to sustain it uh, through the next four months of this season. And as you guys know, uh, you guys have both been through it. It's hard, but. Uh, eventually somebody's going to emerge there in September as playoff teams, and we think we can be one of those clubs. John Heyman here. Everybody knows about Arenado around the game and outside the game, one of the top five players, no question about it, in baseball, defensively, offensively. But, you know, I want to ask you about Trevor's story. I I think I had his highest vote for MVP last year. I can't remember whether I had him third or fourth, but uh, I really love him as a player. People don't realize how fast he is, what – 
uh, great power he has. I, I saw that he was the fastest to 100 home runs among shortstops, even beating A-Rod. Uh, tell us a little bit more of the Trevor's story, because I do think he's underappreciated. Well, uh, John, I agree. I think that, you know, it took Nolan, you know, a couple years to get that national prominence. And I think the same is happening for Trevor. And it sort of started last year with, you know, his all-star nod and the, and the players, coaches, and managers, you know, getting Trevor on the all-star team. So I think the national exposure is starting to take place when, when guys like you and others uh, talk about Trevor. But uh, you're, you're right on the complete player. Uh, you know, this guy has speed. He has power. Uh, I think his defense is, you know, for me, one of the top five shortstops in the game. Uh, he has range. He's got a great arm, good instincts. So, uh, and, and the thing that I like, he's a tremendous worker. He's got great work capacity. Him and Nolan both on a daily basis, you know, how they practice uh, on the defensive side, you know, his work in the cage. Uh, you know, he's built to work and he's built to play. And he and he and he had and he does it with, you know, that combination of speed and power, which is you know, which is so fun to watch every day. We're very fortunate. Bud Black visiting with us got him for a couple more minutes, and uh, I invoke the the old Mike Flanagan line about going from Cy Young to Sayonara. Uh, Kyle Freeland hopefully is not a see you later. I, I know he's a big part of what you guys are, are all about. Got Cy Young votes last year was terrific. It's just not happening this year. What does he have to figure out, Bud, to, to get back in good graces? Uh, you're right. I think that you know Kyle does have, have to figure some things out, and I think it starts with you know recognizing that I think the league made adjustments to Kyle. Now he's got to adjust back. You know he, we've talked about it. You know over the first uh, couple months of the season, and we just couldn't quite get there as far as some of the things that he has to do to. Uh, you know, to get back to being, you know, who he is. And he's very capable of doing that. Uh, you know, it starts with, you know, obviously command of the baseball, uh, you know, too many pitches up in the strike zone, too many missed spots. Uh, that's a reflection of maybe some inconsistencies in his delivery and his mechanics, uh, which, you know, he's going to work on down in the minor leagues here uh, as, as he gets going. But I think with, with all starting pitchers and all pitchers in general, uh, maybe, you know, take a few, uh, you know, take out some bullpen guys, but you know, you got to command the ball and that's both sides of the plate. You got to move it up and down. Uh, you got to change speeds. And I think Kyle, uh, you know, sort of got a little bit fastball heavy and a little bit hard, uh, you know, with his pitches. So I think there has to be that, uh, that separation of velocities and changing speeds and really pitching, uh, and I think it, uh, you know, that's the, you know, in a nutshell, what he has to do, but, this guy's got such a great competitive spirit, uh, you know, tremendous worker. Uh, I think he's going to be fine. Keep doing what you're doing. You guys are, are quite hot right now. Keep it up, and we'll, we'll talk to you soon. Okay, boys. Uh, always a pleasure, and good luck to you guys. Appreciate him every time we get him, Bud Black. And uh, with the, the draft ongoing, and depending on when you're listening to this podcast, maybe it's all over by now. All 40 rounds have been picked on through, but the first round always of interest, and Kyle Glazer, national writer for Baseball America, up next as we continue with the podcast, Big Time Baseball from Radio.com Sports. For selection of the 2019 MLB Draft, the Baltimore Orioles select Adley Rutschman, a catcher from Oregon State University. The Kansas City Royals have the next selection. 
Radio.com Sports presenting Big Time Baseball. It's brought to you by the 2019 Mercedes-Benz A-Class with John Heyman, Josh Lewin. We're talking MLB draft now that started on Monday night with much as obviously the football draft or basketball draft, but I think MLB is at least trying to go big leagues, so to speak, of late. And Kyle Glazer's with us. He covers the top prospects around the game for Baseball America. You can follow him on Twitter at Kyle A. Glazer. And Kyle, I don't know if you watch the MLB Network, but if it was a drinking game, somebody said a kid was special or had a high ceiling, (laughs) I would have blacked out by about pick seven. I mean, it just seems that every single guy is great. That won't be completely true by the time all of this kind of shakes out. Well, you talk about not everyone is going to pan out. Uh, We've studied this extensively at Baseball America. In any given draft, uh, about 18% of all the players picked will ever play even a day in the major leagues. And only about 30 or 40 guys out of the 1,200 some odd picks will have anything resembling a a multi-year career. So uh, it's it's not that many. You're right, and and this is a day where there's optimism. You know, you joke about the NBA draft. Everyone has upside potential. You hear that phrase thrown around everywhere. Football as well, baseball as well. This is a a happy day, but uh, yeah, I mean, a lot of these guys aren't going to make it, and you know, because of that, we saw about 65% of the players taken yesterday were college players. And part of that is because college players just have such a much more high likelihood of reaching the major leagues. Uh, you look at major league rosters right now, about about half are college guys, uh, just under a third were international signees. And high school drafts kind of bring up the rear. They're the least likely of the three major demographics to reach the major leagues. And we saw that reflected in the draft yesterday, especially in this advanced age of draft modeling. Teams are looking more than ever at what works historically and drafting accordingly. Hey, Kyle, uh, John Heyman here. Wow, those odds are quite long. I I didn't realize they were that long. But I'm going to ask you about two guys uh, who will make it, who will I think, and they all think, be stars in the major league level, and that is the first two picks, Rutschman and Witt. Are, are they as special as we're talking about? I, I saw Witt, I've seen him a couple of times, and at one time in a home run derby, and he was hitting the ball about 500 feet. Of course, that was a metal bat, uh, but uh, he seems to be ranked somewhere between A-Rod and Chipper as a shortstop uh, prospect. That's pretty good. And Rutschman was picked ahead of him, and people felt that that was the right pick. So uh, he must be pretty good, too. Uh, What do you think about these two players? Are they slam-dunk stars? I will say this. There's never such thing as a slam-dunk star. Uh, You look at some of the guys that were considered, you know, the best draft prospects of, you know, anyone had ever seen, the Steven Strasburgs, Bryce Harpers. They're excellent major league players. But you look even within their own draft classes, it turns out there was someone better than those guys. Uh, Mike Trout and Steven Strasburg's draft. And Manny Machado to date has had a, a better career than Bryce Harper, and he was picked two picks after him. So, um, that all being said, Adley Rutschman was considered the clear-cut number one. Uh, I had one a scout in the West Coast say he's a Chris Bryant type of hitter with Austin Hedges' level defense. Uh, there's a strong belief this is going to be a franchise cornerstone uh, catcher and, and someone that's you know probably the best position player prospect to come out of the draft this decade. Um, Bobby Witt Jr. is interesting because and this is part of that high school versus college debate. Uh, John, I was at that home run derby last year at Nationals Park as well and saw the same thing you did. Anytime you see a athlete with that power, uh, you're going to be excited. Um, I personally, um, I've seen those, those statements saying he's in the class of A-Rod and Chipper from other media outlets. I personally have not received that level of praise from the scouting community. Um, so I think that might be a little bit off the base, but uh, he's very, very good. And, and these were easily two of the top three prospects in this class, along with Andrew Vaughn, uh, the first baseman at Cal, who went third overall, and they went right where they were expected to go. 
Back to Bobby Witt Jr., I, I was thinking, because Bobby Witt Sr. was the number three overall pick, and that was in, in I think, one of the great drafts uh, of all time. I think you'd agree, a 1985 draft. I think the overall war, wins above replacement of that draft, was something like 500 wins. That was B.J. Surhoff and Will Clark, and then it went Witt, and then Larkin. Uh, well, you had to skip the White Sox pick. They, they picked a guy named Kurt Brown, but then it was Barry Bonds at six, and then later it's... Uh, Rafael Palmero and John Smoltz and Mark Grace. I, I mean, is that just kind of like the, the, the 100-year flood? I mean, you, you're never going to get a draft like that again, are you? Or, or was this one, uh, at least in the conversation, because of all the great players that you're talking about? No, the 1985 draft stands alone. Uh, again, we at BA had a whole retrospective on the 85 draft. That that was an all-time draft, probably the best one since the draft uh, came into being in, in the late in the mid-60s. Um, this draft was considered to have some really good players at the top, but not the same level of depth. So we talk about, and, and any given year on average, you'll see about 30 or 40 guys from a draft class have kind of a multi-year major league career. The lower end of that is normally 24, 25 in the worst years. The higher end is like 45 to 50 in the best years. Um, we're probably looking at maybe 20 to 30 guys having that type of career. This is a very top-heavy class, like I said. Uh, the depth you're talking about, 1985, or even you look back more recently, 2005, 2006, 2011. Those were some great drafts or recent vintage. This was a, a good draft. It was not a great draft overall. I want to talk about value. Who, who do you think got a gem at a particular pick? Uh, who, who got a bargain? And what were the big surprises for you? From watching it, I got the impression People were surprised by the Cubs pick of Ryan Jensen from right, uh, Fresno State at number 27. Uh, and I think he was ranked 99th by MLB. Sorry to mention a competitor. Uh, I don't know where you had him. And then the Astros pick. I mean, these are two of the smarter teams in baseball and two of the better picking teams. Uh, but I think the pick of Lee, I think he was ranked somewhere around 100 as well. And uh, I don't know. Were those stretches by those two teams? Are they going to be okay? And Again, uh, what were the bargains? So uh, those two at the back is interesting. I had actually gotten word last week that uh, the, the other guy thrown to this is Michael Tolia, who went to the Rockies at 23. Uh, he was a little bit higher than people had projected. I'd gotten word last week that Corey Lee and Michael Tolia were not going to get past the compensation round. Um, Ryan Jensen was, was a surprise. I had not heard that about him. I'll start with with we talked about right. College guys are more likely to make it up every every year. People get infatuated with oh, this 17, 18 year old high schooler who touches 96 or shows five tools. But in reality, a lot of those guys, uh, you know, never really reach, never really clicks for all of them. It's the college guys that tend to to rise up draft boards late fastest. And so in that sense, the fact that it was three collegians and Tolia Jensen Stewart, and uh, Corey Lee that went there that were surprises isn't really that surprising. Um, look, Lee's, Lee's a power-hitting catcher with a great arm. I was breaking down the numbers, and uh, again, I don't lead our draft coverage here. That's Carlos Claus about Baseball America, but I'd gotten word last week he was going to go you know, top 50 picks. Looking at the numbers, who he did it against, I honestly can't figure out why he ranked as low as he did. I mean, it's all there in the Astros last night. Uh, we have a story up on this up at BA. They see him as an everyday catcher who shuts down the running game and, and potentially hits the middle of the order. And based on Lee's 
performance this year. There's nothing you can say. They're crazy for thinking that. So um, it was a surprise, but but there have been rumblings it was going to happen. You're right that Ryan Jensen's the one that, that I think no one saw coming. Um, we have seen in the past the Mountain West Conference is very, very difficult for pitchers. They're pitching at Nevada, Air Force, New Mexico, uh, high elevation. And we've seen guys that have success in that conference maybe get run up a little bit higher. Um, and again, this was the Mountain West Conference Pitcher of the Year. He had a great, great performance down the stretch. Uh, we, we always see late helium guys, and he was one of those. You know, you pitch well in adverse circumstances, and teams always need pitching. Someone's going to jump you, and the Cubs pulled the trigger. That's Kyle Glazer. Great stuff uh, talking about the draft, and, and we'll, we'll have to hit you up again. I'm, I'm always fascinated by what goes into the uh, the whole draft process. Appreciate your time, man. Thank you very much, Kyle. No problem. Thanks for having me, guys. We've got a lot more still to do here. It's uh, a podcast that hopefully that you are, you're getting used to downloading and you're subscribing to. It's called Big Time Baseball, presented by Radio.com Sports. We'll go around the diamond with John Heyman in just a moment. Tried to hold up, but couldn't, and that's two up and two down for Greg Kimbrough. What are the latest rumors around the game? Josh Lewin and John Heyman go around the diamond on Radio.com Sports Big Time Baseball. Welcome back to Big Time Baseball, presented by Radio.com Sports. Josh Lewin, John Heyman with you. We go around the diamond. It's kind of John's time to shine here. We'll just kind of get inside that big brain of his and uh, yeah, it's kind of funny, John, because however many podcasts in now, we always have a segment about Keuchel and Kimbrell. And this is finally the week where it's expected both will sign. We're full disclosure, just be transparent. We, we taped the podcast this week on a Tuesday. And I, I think we did that on purpose, kind of held off thinking, hey, maybe by the time we tape the podcast, uh, we'll have definite news on, on where these these two caves are finally going to end up, Keuchel and Kimbrell. Nearing the finish line, at least we hope so, and I think it's better for them. It behooves them to sign fairly soon because uh, there probably will be an active early trade market. We've already got uh, potentially three divisions uh, close to being solved. Uh, uh, the Dodgers, the Astros, and the Twins look awfully good. So there are a lot of teams in those divisions uh, that may be sellers, and uh, it might behoove Keuchel and Kimbrell to get on with it before uh, we have a ton of other uh, starting pitchers out there on the market. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens. As of now, as you mentioned, they're not signed. Uh, we've said many times the Yankees, Braves, Cardinals are the favorites on Keuchel with Twins, Brewers, and Rays also in there. You never know. Someone may come out of the woodwork to make me look bad, but uh, uh, we do think Yankees, Braves, probably the most likely of the top three with the Cardinals in there. And then you've got Kimbrell, and it's a little bit more of a mystery market, but uh, we can speculate on the teams that need that bullpen, uh, certainly the Phillies, uh, the Braves, and the other teams uh, potentially raise Twins, Brewers, and, and the Cubs now uh, have been thrown into the mix as a possibility. So we got about a half dozen teams for each. I'm with you. I hope that uh, something gets done with these two guys uh, by the time we do this next week. So uh, I'm going to work kind of inside out on, on this, but follow me if you would, John. I mean, because you bring up, I think, a really interesting point. Once the, the MLB draft uh, begins and and that was the whole holdup to you know to kind of flood the market if you will with with Keuchel as a starter and Kimbrel as a closer. If you're Washington, if you're Mike Rizzo, would it have been better to go ahead and dangle the heck out of Doolittle before there's now competition in the market because now it's Doolittle and Kimbrel. And same thing if you're Arizona, go ahead and trade Granky before there's competition for 
Keuchel, did, did, were you surprised that, you know, the players that, that are of that ilk, I mean, I put Madison Bumgarner on that list too with San Francisco, would it have surprised you if, say, on June, I'm sorry, on like May 29th, somebody would have made a big deal like that? I'm going, thinking the other way. I'm thinking Keuchel and Kimbrell should sign before these guys really go out on the market. I, I don't blame the Nats uh, because, you know, that division uh, has not been won yet. Uh, nobody has been great, and the Phillies have started to struggle and, you know, I think the Nats feel like they still got a shot. And with their $210 million or close to that payroll, uh, they're going to keep giving it a shot. But I, I do definitely see that point with the Giants, with Madison Bumgarner. The Giants are, are not a contender. They will not be a contender this year. And uh, it wouldn't be the worst thing to get him at least out on the market to see if somebody really wants to go early for him. I don't, I don't think that his value is necessarily going to plummet because uh, the value in Madison Bumgarner is really in October anyway. That's really his time to shine. Right. You know, a, a team that's so interesting to me right now is the Rangers because they've got some pieces here, right? I mean, they, they've got a completely resurgent Mike Miner. Shinsu Chu is having a nice year. And meantime, the Rangers are above 500. As of right now, they're the second wild card. And, you know, that they could come back down to earth. Uh, you know, maybe this is just a mirage. But is that because they're over 500 right now? Are they the kind of team? Is that the kind of market where you, you maybe you all of a sudden say, well, maybe I'm, I'm going to hang in there. Maybe I'm going to roll with these guys and not see what I can get for Miner and Chu or Hunter Pence. Yeah, that's a distinct possibility. Texas has certainly outperformed Woodward, who, uh, who we had on here uh, a couple weeks ago, uh, has done a fantastic job. And, uh, you know, uh, Gallo, once they get him back, I mean, he's a, an MVP candidate. Uh, they have really, really, really outperformed. So give them credit there. Uh, I'm, they're a potential seller. They're on my list of potential sellers, but no guarantee, obviously. Uh, if they do sell, I think Chu will be interesting. He is performing to the level of that uh, big contract, $130 million. He hadn't really done that before in Texas, but he is now. Uh, he's a potential guy, and uh, Mike Miner is probably the most interesting one. The teams went after him uh, big time, uh, no pun intended, uh, in the winter, uh, Phillies and Mets among them. Um, but uh, I think Texas is more apt to try to sign him to a longer-term deal. They got him on a nice three-year deal. At that time, it wasn't sure whether he was a starter or a reliever, uh, but guess what? He's a starter and a, and a really good one. And, you know, they've got some other pieces that you could look at. I mean, Hunter Pence, what an interesting year that he's having, but I, I think they'll probably hold on to him. He's a good story, and you're not really going to get a ton in trade for him. Let me finish up, John, by asking you about the Indians and what you think they might do. I mean, there, there's a thought that they could trade Trevor Bauer. There's also a thought they could, you know, they've got all these games still left against the Twins, and, they, you know, they, they'd like to think they're still going to compete in that division. Trevor Bauer's got this reputation of being, you know, if, if he was a, a rock star, he'd be the guy that's, like, demanding no brown M&Ms in my bowl, right, you know, in the in the green room. And, you know, just difficult and uh, diva, whatever. He doesn't seem to think that's him. You know, he just thinks that he's, uh, you know, a bit of an iconoclast and there's nothing wrong with that. I guess, A, what will the Indians do? And, B, does Bauer get a bad rap? Yeah, I mean, Bauer's an interesting guy, very smart guy. They had him on MLB Network, and he did a fantastic job uh, summarizing uh, some of the top young prospects uh, 
this week. Uh, so he, he's a smart guy. Uh, he's certainly an, int- an interesting guy, and he's a guy who marches to the beat of his own drummer. There's no question about that. So it may turn somebody off, but I don't think too many people. His talent is so good. Look, one question I think about him is that he's really not performed to his usual level to this point. So if you're picking him up, is he going to be the bower of this year or the bower of previous years? I think that's the bigger question. I think Cleveland is an interesting one. I don't think anybody saw them as a potential seller going into the year, but uh, at this point, they've got some key pieces that could be sold. Obviously, Hand is a fantastic reliever, really doing a nice job in Cleveland, just as well as he did in San Diego. Has a long, reasonable deal. He certainly um, could get quite a bit uh, if they traded him. So, uh, that, that's another guy they could trade. Bauer has been on, actually been on the block for quite a while, and a lot of teams, Padres and many others, have been looking at him. So I think if, if Cleveland decides to be a seller, they will trade Bauer, and I think that Hand has got a good chance to be traded as well. Uh, is the most interesting guy is Lindor, who's one of the top five players in the game. I think everybody would agree on that. We know Mike Chernoff, the GM's son, Brody, a couple years ago, blurted out on TV that they wanted to sign him to a seven-year deal. And, of course, it it was a scoop, but it was, I think, understood that uh, they wanted him long-term. But uh, that's not going to happen. There's no impetus for a long deal now for Lindor. Uh, He's going to become a free agent in a couple years. And uh, it's something for the Indians to think about. I, I ultimately don't believe that they will trade Lindor this year. They still have him for a couple more years. So I think it's something to look at maybe in the offseason. Still will be able to get a ton for him. So I don't think they need to rush into it. But even without Lindor, we could see some huge, huge players on the market. You had referenced the Nats earlier. And it's possible, certainly, that they would consider if things uh, again turned south for them that to trade Max Scherzer is one of, one of the top free agent signings of all time. Still has two years to go. Still performing. Uh, but uh, makes big money, and uh, they've got a little bit of a transition in ownership to the son, Mark Lerner, uh, from Ted, so it's something to look at. And Rendon is a free agent after the year, and as we've talked about on past episodes of uh, Big Time Baseball, there, there's no uh, there's no belief that there's going to be a long-term deal for Rendon before he becomes a free agent, so uh, he easily could be uh, traded as well as uh, do little. Uh, but I, I think Scherzer might be a, a more difficult one. Rendon might be more likely since he's only got a few months before he's a free agent. And then again, there's another team, the D-backs, I, I did want to mention, uh, who have stars who could be traded as well. So there's a lot of big names who could be on that market, potentially. Lindor, Rendon, Scherzer. And on the D-backs, uh, Granke and Ray and Peralta, potentially. they got a lot of players who are performing. They did a nice job with their signings. They're all working out, and they're all very tradable, very marketable. Now Escobar having a fantastic year. And then on one-year deals, Holland is doing terrific. Adam Jones has been very good. I don't know why he didn't have a mar- much of a mark in the winter, but uh, they have a lot of guys. So there are a lot of teams that are potential sellers uh, that could bring back a lot and make for a very interesting trading season. We already have Seattle, Detroit, and Kansas City. And Detroit's a new team I mentioned that are out there selling, but uh, they don't have these type of pieces. Encarnacion, probably the biggest name that will go from those three teams. And, of course, we're going to have more teams that are selling Miami, the White Sox, Baltimore. But they're built around young players and not a, not big sellers. They don't have veterans that are high-priced that uh, will go and make things interesting. But uh, as you mentioned, uh, the Indians, Rangers, D-backs, and Nats are could be the four most interesting teams this trade market.
That is some high quality around the diamond right there. And I know you'll join me in thanking our guest today, Kyle Glazer, talking about the draft. Bud Black talking about his uh, towards-the-top Colorado Rockies. We, uh, we wish them well, wish Bud well. Talk to you again next week. Sounds good, Josh. Tell your friends, tell anybody you can think of where to find us. This is Big Time Baseball, Radio.com sports presentation of it, brought to you by the 2019 Mercedes-Benz A-Class. For John Heyman, I'm Josh Lewin. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to Radio.com Sports Big Time Baseball, brought to you by the 2019 Mercedes-Benz A-Class. Josh Lewin and John Heyman will be back next week, diving into the latest across Major League Baseball. This has been a presentation of Radio.com Sports. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.